Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Hello everyone, I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims and I'm the EMEA editor of Provoke Media and I'm delighted to welcome you to our new series, Being Human in a Tech-Enabled World in partnership with Axicom. This is the first in a four-part series looking at different aspects of what life and work as humans and communicators look like now and how they might look in the future through the lens of technology. First up, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Axicom's President of Europe, Kate Stevens, who has been with uh, WPP's technology specialist for 14 years and is one of the most searingly honest and funniest agency bosses I know. Hello, Kate. Hello. Thank you. Um, in our first episode, focusing on the workplace, uh, Kate and I are joined by three wonderful guests for what promises to be a really stimulating, enlightening and relatable conversation. First up, we have Sasha Watson, the People Director of Moonpig, the personalised greeting cards, flowers and gifts business, which has clearly been bang at the intersection of technology and human touch points during the time we haven't been able to be together for celebrations. Welcome, Sasha. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Uh, next, we have Helen Brown, Chief Operating Officer at WPP People Operations, who's been overseeing huge tasks of the modernization of the people practice across all of WPP's companies, including Axcom, and defining the scope of how technology will support that transformation. Hi, Helen. Hello, great to see everyone. Thanks for having me here today. And finally, we have our token bloke, uh, Ed Gemmel, the global head of brand and communications at Market Research Data and Insights giant Kantar. Ed, welcome to the series. Thanks so much. Well, uh, nice to be here. Uh, thank you all for being here. So we'll dive straight into our first discussion point uh, and the whole point of the, the series, really. Uh, as we all know, for years, futurologists and the tech industry have talked about this concept of the future workplace. Uh, the future of work, uh, centering on virtual teams, cool collaboration spaces, no geographical boundaries, all sounded wonderful. Then without any process of evolution whatsoever, um, or at least a rapidly accelerated process, we were actually thrust into this future in the present overnight without any buildup, training, change management or planning. So my question to you all first is what was the initial impact on the creative industries and do you think there's something about PR and comms people which uh, and agencies and, and businesses which meant we were always set up to be particularly good or particularly bad um, at, at responding to the, the new challenge? Kate, do you want to head start up on that one? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of layers to that one, definitely. Um, and I, I think... You know, the, the initial thrusting into this situation, I think everyone was reeling so much by the circumstances that were happening around us. We didn't really have a chance to panic about the fact that everyone was going to be working from home uh, all of a sudden. But I do think that our industry in particular, uh, it's quite an extrovert industry in comms and in marketing and those creative industries. And, you know, the initial sort of, dare I say, it, excitement of what was happening, that sort of, gosh, isn't this strange, isn't this weird, and that reeling from that 
that wore off in that first lockdown it became very very isolating and lonely for people and I think people struggled a little to to, to get their mojo on you know regardless of the other factors that were impacting their day just finding that daily inspiration from not having those interactions with people in the office that you usually have I think hit people hard harder than you might have imagined would happen yeah, it was it was a really weird first few weeks, wasn't it? Sasha, what do you think about the initial impact from your memory? It wasn't even that long ago. It feels like a decade. Well, it, I remember Monday, 16th of March, when I was in the office, we had uh, a board meeting and we were like, oh my goodness, we're going to go into lockdown, aren't we? And, you know, I, I felt a sense of like panic because there's no playbook. Uh, and because, because my role spans um you know people as well as actually internal communications you know I just had to think in crisis mode and say okay there are no answers so be calm and be decisive um always with the caveat of there are no answers so I think we should dot 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 and that I think really helped. Even now we're thinking about return to work. I have said there are no answers, but I think we'll be ready to be back in the office in September. Uh, and it just helped everyone calm down and, and breathe. So yeah, I mean, I did panic internally, inside voice, went a bit crazy. And then I just said, right, we'll be working from home and we'll work it out. But that's all anyone could do, wasn't it? Just say, we'll work out as we go along. Helen, what was your experience in, you know, this huge role in the massive organisation at WPP? Yeah, I remember I was on, um, I was actually on, on holiday when I, when I got a call saying that we need to, uh, they needed someone to, to lead the COVID response um, across WPP. And we needed, first of all, to put all the chief people officers together to start discussing a plan. And um, I was sat in a, a small bedroom in a, in a, in a chalet uh, trying on a call. And that, that really seems very strange now that I was on a phone. I wasn't actually looking at anyone. Um, speaking with you know, a couple of hundred people globally, we desperately been trying to pull together phone numbers and, and get, get everyone together. And I just thought how quickly that changed where there was, you know, Sasha says that initial kind of internal, oh my God, you know, we'd, we'd seen it coming from China, obviously, over a number of weeks. So we had some idea what was about to hit, uh, but you're never, you're never ready for that. You know, and all the way through this, we've tried to stay one or two steps ahead, but you're always, you're always playing catch up. And just but how quickly that shifted so that initial, we're having to use very, what now feels very old fashioned technology to be able to communicate to everyone. And in a matter of days, 100,000 people around WPP were working remotely. And that's a huge testament to an enormous group of people, particularly in the technology team who made that happen. But then how quickly and how easy it was to actually communicate en masse doing global town halls using this technology. So that, that change, that technological change of how we communicate, that's which happened so quickly it was phenomenal and all of those hundreds of thousands of people are, are all creatives to a greater or lesser extent do you think there's something about the nature of the yeah. business that made it particularly challenging or, or or easy what was the response like from the from the individual firms within the group I, I have been um 
humbled actually by the response from everyone at WPP, uh, from the most junior to the most senior people of how they pulled together as a real global audience and came together uh, uh, to, to work together against the pandemic. I think there's something about the creativity that makes people very entrepreneurial. And because, you know, working with clients and you're having to kind of change and flex what you're creating, they seem to adapt, I thought, amazingly quickly and easily to the, the new normal. Amazing. And Ed, what was the initial impact where you are at Kantar on you and your teams? Yeah, I mean, as Helen was saying, we transitioned almost overnight to having an entire organization working from home. I New York just before the lockdown uh, happened. And as it happens, I got sick with COVID while I was in New York. So I was at home for about a week before the lockdown happened. And so I'm kind of well into my second year now of, uh, of, of, of working from home. Um, I think initially in the PR industry, I mean, uh, Kate, you, you'll know this, we're used to kind of working, you know, working remotely, working uh, with journalists in multiple time zones, working with PR teams in multiple time zones. And so initially, I don't think it had a, a, a big impact on us. But actually, as time went on very quickly, actually, as the, the economic impact hit the media industry, um, there was a lot of furloughing of journalists very quickly, actually. And so the workload of journalists went through the roof. And that really changed then the dynamic uh, between PR teams and journalists because getting attention from journalists just became incredibly difficult in, in a period of weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly did have a, a huge effect on our whole ecosystem, doesn't it? It's it's very yeah. interesting. There wasn't a touch point in our normal day-to-day -day lives as communicators, journalists working for creative and media um, and comms companies that didn't just kind of change overnight. It was quite extraordinary looking at how far we've we've come over the past year. Um, uh, Kate, do you want to move on to our second question about how we've adapted? It's quite, it's quite a nice build, actually, because you know, Ed's point about the way we're so used to working with people in different locations and uh, it, as, a, as, a, as a creative industry and a comms industry, we adapted very quickly and very seamlessly. We hustled in so many different ways. We learned how to pitch business virtually and win it. We learned how to um, be more thoughtful about what we were advising clients to do because, because the, the, um, the environment we were living in was changing on a daily basis. You know, we had so many clients asking us, you know, what, what should their responses be to this COVID? And the, the one thing that I felt exhausted from seeing was companies emailing me, telling me they were here for me. And she got just the most wishy-washy, watery message. And it was just so wonderful to be standing there and saying to a client, don't say anything pointless. Say, say what you've got to say with absolute meaning. This is the time to show some real heart and not just wash it with a sweetheart message. Absolutely not. And it was kind of gave you something to really stick your teeth into. So I think we adapted really nicely in that respect. It, it's quite interesting because hearing everybody talk about what they remembered when it first happened, we were in some form of 
absolute chaos. We were trying to do a big launch for a client who should have been at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. But Mobile World Congress, of course, suddenly wasn't happening and everybody's plans were changing, but there were products that needed to be announced. And it became a different event in a different location. But then, of course, that event couldn't actually happen. And it suddenly had to become a virtual event. And then, of course, all this filming suddenly needed to happen. But people are getting ill left, right and center. The editors are saying, I don't want to do this job because I want to stay home. I don't really want to come out. Uh, and of course, we're all now working on home broadband speed. So the upload for the approval times of the video, it was just a complete chaotic we're in it trying to do this thing, trying to get a global launch out in a virtual moment. You know, nothing tests your ability to adapt and innovate and change than literally going through it as, as the lockdown's happening around you. So in many ways, it was weird because we kind of didn't realize that the lockdown was happening because we so busy on trying to navigate how to make this thing still happen despite everyone closing all the doors. So naturally our industry was born to be quite successful and I think it's I, I'm certainly not alone as an agency to say, actually, as 2021 started, despite last year me saying to the powers that be still very cautious, don't know what people will be doing with budgets, we've had an absolutely bumper first quarter. And, you know, it's our industry hustled and adapted and it's doing well. So I think that in a nutshell is just it's, it's human nature, too, isn't it? That ability to thrive and adapt. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, we've been really struck, actually, you know, speaking to agencies every day, how after that initial kind of shock and awe, like kind of felt like the industry's agony on for a couple of weeks, grown men crying on me over Zoom. And then um, and then within a couple of weeks, it's like, yeah, this is the plan. Yeah, totally on it. Moving forward. All good. But it was uh, it was it was really shocking. And then suddenly it's like, yep. Yeah, absolutely resilience adaptation all the way through sasha what was your experience at moonpit because your your business model has always been kind of internet first right so but then you're as i said at the beginning this weird intersection where suddenly you're you, what you are doing is critical to the way we interact as human beings as well in lockdown yeah. i mean it was a wonderful opportunity to really show our people our purpose mm. because there are so many people out there hundreds of thousands of people that couldn't see or connect with their loved ones and they couldn't share their moments and they couldn't see their grand and they couldn't celebrate their 30th they couldn't get married I mean there were so many moments that people were missing um you know and we got busier and and, and we saw that, oh, my goodness, we're providing a real service here. Um, and I mean, I mean, I remember making a joke saying, are we in a central service? Because, oh, my goodness, it feels like it. Um, I was just trying to get my kid back in school. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, the the incredible thing is, you know, we 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 are not a shop, so um, there's no physical moon pig, but there are lots of humans that work in the organisation that thrive on connection and calibration, collaboration, um, and that was taken away. Uh, and, and as you know, people have spoken about we're thrust into future of work and blah blah blah. And I was like, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think we've had a crisis induced. Uh, moment where we've been forced to bring work home you know and 
yes, we have shown that we can do that in a crisis, but because it's been done in a crisis, I think we have to be careful to say, like, we're done and we can all do it because it's been crisis-induced. It's been okay to do all this because you can't go out and you can't see people. Once the world opens back up again and you can go out, you can see people, I think we'll still have to think about the future of work and work-life balance and collaboration. So, yeah, I'm... It's not sceptical, but I'm just a bit like, yeah, we've proved we can do it. People can do it because we can't do anything else. You, all you could do was work from home. So when we don't have that, I'll be interested in what future of work looks like. That's yeah. quite interesting. Yeah. I know. Thanks. Uh, oh, no, I was just going to say the biggest challenge we actually had was getting people to stop working. Right. All they could do. And they're just wearing themselves out. Right. Yeah, and I think that's right. I don't think this has been a transformation. It's just a swing to the other end of a pen. Exactly. Because someone wiser than me observed we're not working from home. We're living at work, right? And because, you know, I I started out, you know, thinking and, and trying to be quite disciplined about, you know, how do I repurpose that commute time, right? I've got an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. And I started out using that time. And I still use the morning time, but the evening time is gone now. You know, it's just, it's, in, it's integrated into my working environment again. And so I think you're absolutely right, Sasha. We have to, um, uh, we've got to, not accept this as a new status quo, but actually say, well, what's the best bits of, of what, what right. we've figured out now and, and weave them back into a new normal. Yeah. Oh, of course, Helen, this is like the big, the big question you're grappling with at WPP. What, how, how do you think we have adapted over the past year? What's gone really well and, and what hasn't gone so well with your overview of you know, all those different kinds of businesses you look after? I think um, some of the technology that um, is now available for uh, photo shoots. So one of the things that we've been challenged with is when we're doing production shoots for clients, obviously we usually, we would just fly people to, to those locations. You'd have, you know, creative director, um, the screenwriter, copywriter, et cetera, and the, and the account teams. And in some cases that's just been too dangerous. We haven't been able to do it. So there's been quite a lot of innovation around technology that allows the, uh, the what, what's being filmed, which will be done by a local crew who are on the ground, uh, remotely so it means that our creative directors our copywriters are actually sat in their own uh, locations they've created this technology so it has you know it doesn't require very high broadband requirements and they can actually see what's being shot down the the camera um, live which means that it's protected them it's obviously has a, an impact on our sustainability as well which is uh, always important to us um, but but it raises questions as well about the skill sets that those people have had to learn very quickly um, and, and raises questions for us about how we're going to be able to support those changing skill sets if we continue to use technology in ways that we didn't before coronavirus. So I think there's been real positivity in that people have been, as, um, uh, as Ed said, they've been able to maybe use their time more effectively. We've been able to use technology to 
uh, protect people from having to go into locations that we wouldn't want them to be in. But there's obviously been a flip side to that as well, which is we are working uh, longer hours. We're working very back to back. It's a very intense situation that we're in. And we're having to provide you know, guidance for employees and managers particularly on how to deal with that. You know, we're now, we're used to a presenteeism environment where you're seen to be in the office and that now we're having to flip that on its head and start to measure output rather than input. So there's a huge learning and skills piece that if we continue with this hybrid work model, we're going to have to um, invest more in. Yeah, and, and to Kate's, to that point and to Kate's point on burnout, it's what we used to call work slash life balance. It's like the, that slash has completely disappeared, right? You know, how achieving balance um, and establishing any kind of boundary particularly working for global organizations or for global clients um it's almost impossible isn't it what what's happening around how do you manage fatigue and health and well-being of yourselves and your teams and kate tell me about that I, it's interesting isn't it because there's there's two pieces here um one is the point that sasha made about how we were thrust into this so you know we're not really working from home. Well, we weren't. We were at home in a crisis trying to work, which is quite a different environment to be in. And, you know, the fatigue sat in for, for lots of reasons at that point. The lack of human contact because of the other restrictions in place, not just because of remote working. The back-to-backness of calls where, you know, to the presenteeism point, there was suddenly this perception that you couldn't possibly get through the day without having a meeting with all of your colleagues, which is absolutely bonkers as well you know before fortunately for our business we rolled out our intelligent working principles at the start of last year in the january and it was all softy softy because my um my boss at the time was quite anxious that if we did something like a true flexible working policy therefore everyone would immediately work from home but of course we're creatures of habit and that type of change doesn't happen the point was to make it more accessible workplace and future-proof ourselves and have a nice offering to attract talent and all those other good reasons why you might do something like that. So we put that in place. So that was all there. And, it, and to Helen's point, it was all about making sure people thought more about that output versus that presenteeism. Are those things being met? That's how you can measure the success of this with a view that we'd have that six-month review. And we lent so heavily on those intelligent working principles at the start of this it, and mm -hmm. honestly I think it really did set us up for success because otherwise there would be such simple things that weren't being done to stop people constantly checking on each on each other because that's another impact to well-being is if you don't see somebody's working on something you panic and you check in on it you might check in on it in a very in, innocent quick instant message but that person on the receiving end of that just feels chased and hustled because they haven't heard the tone of voice in it because they're reading it in black and white mm -hmm. and that in turn causes and suddenly you start to have a lot of people saying they're feeling very overwhelmed so you know I, I always wear my heart on my sleeve and I think the biggest thing we did for people alongside all the other checks and balances and having the well-being programs in place that you'd normally have as a, a workplace is to be really candid and honest and open about how I felt with absolutely everyone so we we took our weekly meeting that we used to have in the office on a Friday with Prosecco to the video call at the end of the week, but keeping up that same high energy, 
keeping up the same anecdotal approach and saying, I don't know about the rest of you, but this week's dragged on a bit, hasn't it? And I think that blunt honesty that I'm struggling to actually oddly had this impact of, I don't feel quite so alone in this right now. And, you know, since then we've evolved. Don't book back-to-back meetings. Block out time in your diary that people aren't allowed to book meetings into. It is yours to own and you have to own it. Because some people will say to you, that's not going to work for me. Well, actually it does. You've got to put your own boundaries in place and you've got to stand by them. And it's, you know, the, the biggest learning we did have from the intelligent working principles is making sure that we give people the confidence to act on that and the confidence to structure their day in the way that's going to work for them and, and their workload the best. So that, I think, has been a big learning of, of this and giving people that confidence to do that, to push back, to say that time doesn't work for me. Sorry, I can't do that 9 p.m. call, actually, in the middle of something like my evening <laughs> And I think that talks, Kate, that talks to something Sasha said as well, which is about, you know, Sasha referred to the culture of her company, right? And I think that those working principles really start to, they're a part of that culture. And But, but right now, you know, we're on the cusp of a real culture crisis, I think, with organisations, because so much of a culture in a company kind of comes through in the building that you work in, right? It comes through in how you see people interacting with each other, how people make decisions. Um, you know, the, the, a lot of the soft skills of how people engage. And in the absence of all of that, the really true elements of a, of a company culture, um, the, the way they look after their people, all of that has to come to fruition and be real, right? That sense of actually caring for uh, you know, for your colleagues, and 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 really living up to notionally what normally just lives on a slide somewhere. I think that caring is so so key, and I, I you know I know I've talked about this before with you, Maya. You know, when when lockdown first happened, we as a business were already grieving because my predecessor had passed away quite suddenly from a heart attack. And my directive to everyone at that time was look out for each other, be there for each other. You're all going to feel this at different times. And we were already in that support mode. So I think we were quite uniquely shielded from what actually happened to the world because of that. And that being there for each other was absolutely critical to, to emotionally support each other, to hear each other, to recognize when somebody's not quite feeling it. You know, mental health has never been more under the microscope than it has this past year. And, and it's interesting because, you know, as Sasha said, we're, we're thrust into this. What's that going to look like in the future? Because it's going to be less acceptable if you're in the office to say, I don't feel like turning up to that meeting right now. It, you know, you're not going to get away with that in the same way. But this is is unprecedented. And I hate to have used that word, but I just did. There you go. It's now been recorded. Brilliant. Um but, but it is because we're not set up for success. Uh, the setup I've got right now is a chest of drawers in front of me because every other backdrop that I have in this house right now available to me is chaos. My children have been locked out. The door is shut tight. So they can't, this is not a working environment. Nobody should work like this. This is, I mean, I'm important, darn it. Surely I should have a good setup. But no, I don't. It's absolute chaos. So this is quite unique. Yeah. and not really representative of what we're going to walk into. 
Sasha, what's your take on how you look after people when everyone's in a really weird, unfamiliar working environment? Yeah, well, it's it's been actually incredible. Um, so some of this might be because I'm in a unique position as a HR leader that I started my life in the communications world. So I, I know that the power of communication, uh, you know, it, it can make or break an organization. So a lot of the, the strategy I put in place very, very quickly was, was around that. Um, and, and we are very unique in the sense of, we were continuing to hire for this period. There are many people that are working at Moonpig for almost a year that have never been to the office, have never met anyone they've worked with, and are still here, thank goodness. Um, but I think some of that's because me, the people team, we work really, really hard to try our best to keep it alive. So we, you know, I don't know, onboarding and day one has always been in the office Monday, nine to 11 it still remains and we just moved it all offline and you know we worked we partnered with IT and other teams and line managers have been incredible just to to keep it going and we put many programs in place some completely bonkers and some not so so last week uh, Wednesday evening we had drag makeup lessons which were amazing. I had no idea the effort it takes to make new eyebrows. <laughs> totally new podcast, but unbelievable. Um, but, you know, what we try to do is dig deep in, in our inclusion programs, our wellbeing programs, our communications, bringing our strategy to life. Um, and, and, it, and it really has worked. We, we still have a highly engaged workforce and um, by design, um, but it, I know it's possible because I've seen it. It's just now going the other way. How do you keep that magic um, that's been fully remote into an office where some people be in and some people will be out? It's um, yeah, it, it's been fascinating. But but I think leaning into communications and really respecting the magic it brings uh, has been really critical. It's, it, sorry, it's, a, it's a, a real, I think there's a real challenge on the horizon for people like Sasha and Helen because um, there's, a real, um, there's a real shift in the percentage of people showing depression symptoms across the, across the UK. Kantar has done the research and there's been about a 15% increase in, in the amount of adults showing depression symptoms. And those with mild symptoms are kind of moving into the next category and on and on. And so I think there's there's a real task at hand, you know, when, when we come out of this, just to make sure that the, the workforce, the, our teammates are actually um, finding a way back to normal. At Cantar, we had this amazing program uh, called We Are Here. And, the, you know, we recognised early on that lots of people needed support and and there is sadly still a stigma associated to it and so some very senior people in the organization came out and uh, and talked about their uh, mental well-being issues and it created a whole conversation 
we use uh, Workplace um, by uh, Facebook as, as effectively our intranet, one of our intranet tools. And the conversation and the support e infrastructure that popped up in that environment when you had very senior people saying it's okay to not be okay uh, was really, really interesting. Helen, this whole piece around health and well-being and, and mental health is, is part of your remit with a, a you know, huge, a huge cohort to consider the, the implications of the pandemic. What's your what's your approach being? I mean, how do you look after that many people and make sure they're OK? First thing we did was extend the EAP programme uh, into many more markets globally, the Employee Assistance Programme, and that gave employees access to uh, mental health support 24-7. Um, and we, we pushed that in every town hall that Mark Reed was on, every communication out to the chief people officers and to the CEOs to, to really get that out to employees. So they knew it was there. They knew that support was there. It was a free service that they could contact at any time. And the benefits team did an amazing job actually getting that out into so many more countries so quickly. The second was to look within our businesses at who was doing really well in terms of the support, well, well-being support for employees. And one of our media agencies, Mediacom, had had a, um, a program set up for a number of years called Mental Health Allies. And this was people who were volunteers in the organization from junior to senior people who went through a training program themselves to be able to offer not not support, but guidance on where to get that support from professionals. And that's a program that's now being rolled out globally across a, a number of WPP operating companies globally. <clears throat> I think it comes down to the the, the key success for us has been where we've had fantastic leadership in our organization, such as Kate and others who have taken this really to heart and led from the front. There's, there's no way any one person, whether that's Mark Reed uh, or anyone else, can, can be there um, and connect with 100,000 people personally. But to be able to have the right leadership in place and at these times having that leadership to to be able to support and guide employees on where to get access to that mental health well-being has been really key. I think the challenge is for leaders because they are the ones who maybe are not getting that support, but they're taking the responsibility for all of their people um, to bring them, take them through safely through coronavirus. So I agree with Ed. I think we have seen an increase in um, in the lack of well-being uh, in our people. And I expect to see, although I hope I don't see a spike in our leaders and what can we really do to support them as we come out and through coronavirus. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? How it's affected everyone at all levels and that oh, we'll be doing a, another one in this series on leadership specifically, but you, you know, you've all mentioned different ways that idea of vulnerability and sharing as well from the leadership and the, the notion of empathy and compassion and, and showing showing the way from the top that it's okay to not be okay. And this is just very weird and it's not permanent. Um, did, did any of you have any surprises in the way you've adapted or you've seen your teams adapt and evolve over the past year for, for good or for bad? I, I think going back to Ed's culture point, what I found just really heartwarming was the amount of people that wanted to carry what, has always at the certainly at the heart of Axon's business, it comes down to food and drink. Do anything around food and drink, and we're all happy. And they were having beer nights, wine nights, 
dinner, you know, organizing their own little things amongst themselves to do what they'd normally do after work. Let's pop to the Prince of Wales and have a beer and do this thing, but they can't. So they do, you know, and just finding a way to keep it feeling as normal as is humanly possible. And I remember after we won uh, Best Network uh, Agency for Work, where I actually had people in tears. They were so excited about the award win. But they also were then calling me into their drink calls. And of course, I'm stone cold sober, still, still trying to catch up on the day. And this is nine o'clock at night and they've been on it since six. And they're like, why do you send emails so late at night? I'm like, well, because I've got children in the day. And they're quite needy bunch, almost as needy as you lot. Um, but that, that for me was the really nice little way to uh, adapt and, and pick up that thing and, and try and keep that culture going. Because as Ed said, culture is so, so important to give that sense of belonging. And my replacement started, my replacement, I replaced myself, but our UK managing director started during this lockdown. And, you know, she said the biggest thing she felt she missed out on is not being able to walk into an office full of that buzz where you get a real sense of who somebody is and she cannot wait to get people together and in fact interestingly whilst we will never be full-time in the office like we used to be the biggest thing that I'm hearing from people is cannot wait till we can all have lunch have a beer be out together and it's it's less about the work bit it's about that fun that socializing bit that getting to know people those incidental moments that sort of serendipitous idea that happened because you happened to have that conversation with that person that you don't usually work with on a day-to-day basis and it just inspired something in you and you know people are hanging on to that and actively trying to get those moments albeit virtually and it's never going to be quite the same and this has enabled so much for us but there are some things that it can't replace serendipity is a big big loss and you know so many ideas so many successful ideas are are created in the most random way and that you know that is a a a big loss i think um in a previous life sasha and i did uh, a piece of work together at a a technology company called arm where we did some really lovely work actually around redefining the culture at arm and um and a couple of those things um are, are quite challenging in this environment that the the tenets of the culture were um, be your brilliant self, we not I, and passion for progress. And that idea of be your brilliant self is actually really hard in a, in a virtual environment because your brilliant self might well have some with it, right, which does not translate well in a, in a virtual environment. And the concept of we not I well, you know, how can you can you really truly deeply collaborate in a in a virtual environment? It's so it, it, there's there's work to be done in the short term as well as in the long term. Mm. I think one of the biggest surprises I had personally, as a ninety eight percent extrovert, was actually how much I appreciate being alone to get work done. And, and how I'm going to try and keep that um, thinking time where that's not, you know, in the evening when children are in bed, but in the work day. And I was like, oh, this is what extroverts do, introverts do. They have quiet and get and re-energized. I get it now. And that's been a real shock for me because I thrive on human connection. 
Um, but it's really hard to get work done when, when you're connecting with humans. And then another shock was actually last summer popping into the office. And when you visit the Moon Pig office, and please all of you do one day, um, there's such a buzz. Um, and I went in and I felt like I was in mourning. I was just, I was walking through the streets of Farringdon and it, 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 it was like, you know, the zombie apocalypse. I thought someone in a minute's going to jump out and get me because this is really too quiet. Um, and I found that shocking. Um, and, it, and I was thinking on the way home, actually, what is the office for? If it's not a great place to sit and focus, it's not. Um, it, it's not a great place to, to get work done. It's great for most meetings, but actually it's that human connection. And I think it's, I think that's the thing I'm taking from this is how do we use the office space to collaborate, communicate? And then how do we scope space whilst we're at home to, to think and reflect and, and try and marry those two to find some work-life balance? Um, and, you know, I, I really don't know the answer, but those are, those are kind of my reflects around things, things that shocked me. Um, yeah, I really, maybe as I'm getting old, actually, it's been a bit more introvert. It's probably age. <laughs> Nonsense. Helen, what about you? Did you have any surprises that have kind of informed how you've, you've evolved things over the past year? I think, I think privately, um, speaking uh, just my own experience for, for a minute, if I can, it's, it's taught me the importance of that connection with the team. Um, you take it for granted when you're sat opposite them. Mm. We have open plans. I don't, I don't have a fancy office like Kate. And uh, <laughs> we, we, we're open plans. So I'm sat opposite my team and you kind of just take it for granted. You're chatting and you go off for a, you know, lunch together or whatever. Um, you have an idea. You hear what someone else is talking about. You can discuss it with them. So having to, to force that. And we have a, a, a called a team-tastic meeting every day. And it's just a stand-up meeting. It's 15 minutes Tuesday through Thursday and a bit longer Monday, Friday to plan for the week. Um, but just taking that time together and it, it felt so forced at the beginning and now it's just become so natural but so important that we have that connection with each other um, every single day. For myself, it's I think Ed made a comment about using the time he had when he used to commute. He used to take me an hour and a half to commute to WPPHQ every day. And, um, and now I take my wonderful dog, Charlie Brown, walking in the morning. And that's my quiet time, Sasha, is, you know, it is a bit crazy back to back during the day. And obviously, you know, when you're global, the mornings are Asia, then you've got Europe, and then you've got America comes online about one o'clock in the afternoon, and that's it, my day is screwed then. And, um, but that time in the morning, just to go and walk the dog, um, I'm very lucky, I live in the countryside, and to be outside and see the changing seasons and listen to the birds and just kind of forget for a moment that, you know, we are locked up and locked down. Um, that's something I hope I can continue with when all this is over, because it's been a joy finding that. Yeah, I think for, for everyone, there's been the things that you didn't realise you would miss quite so much and the things that you uh, are, are going to try and hang on to, actually. There are silver mm. linings here, aren't there? What's, what's better now, if anything? I drink a lot less coffee than I used to drink. A lot less coffee than I used to drink. I'm, uh, um, I'm, I'm very lucky. My, my working environment is, 
you know, I've got a little bit of space separate from uh, separate from my house where I kind of disappear and uh, and kind of show up uh, every now and then. Um, uh, so um, that, that's a thing, actually. It's really interesting when we talk about the the folks who say the office is dead. Clearly, the folks who say the office is dead are middle-aged people who are doing quite well, thank you very much. Because I've, I've got, and I, you know, there are folks in my team who live in studio apartments who still live at home with their parents. And, you know, Kate, you talked about your working environment there. I've got people in my team who literally went to Ikea, bought a desk uh, and, and, and built a table in their bedroom. And now between their work time and their downtime, they're spending, gosh, I don't know, 90% of their waking hours in their bedroom. That's an incredibly unhealthy environment. Um, I've realized how lucky I am. That, you know, that's that's for sure in, in the environment that, I, that, that I'm in. And, um, and, and actually gotten, uh, gotten a lot more, uh, hopefully I was somewhat anyway, but, you know, become a lot more empathetic to, uh, my colleagues and my wife, my children, because there's so much stress um, uh, in in so many other aspects of life mm. that actually de-escalating stress and work has been, uh, you know, a much a much welcomed uh, uh, upside. I think that's that's you know going back to Helen's point about that commute time and how do you repurpose it. That was my surprise was missing the commute because I was never a fan of the commute. It got in the way of me being on time to pick up the kids or any of those other nice life touch points. But when you didn't have it, and of course the unusual environment we found ourselves in whilst also being trapped with our own children, never advisable. <laughs> are we say, we're saying trapped? We are saying trapped, aren't we? Uh, currently saying trapped. Come, school goes back on Monday, but totally yeah. different vibe from Monday. Um, but you didn't have that you don't have that switch off time when you're at home whether it's with your housemates whether it's with your family and kids or your spouse or your partner you come off a difficult business meeting and you're thrust into the questions of the life around you and there's no transition no ability to get your brain into the different gear it needs to be in and that has led to some very abrasive moments i can't i i'm definitely not alone in saying we've had very difficult times in this household as a result of not being able to have that moment to switch and to change and to get your mind into a different mindset. And that is when I realized the absolute value of that commute. And, you know, it, it's, it's difficult, got into a nice flow when schools were back of being able to find different switch off, switch on moments to make sure that those catastrophes didn't happen again. But, you know, the world, as I look at it going forward, I've always been very social. I've, you know, I refused the office. I like to sit with people. That for me has been the way that keeps me going. And there have been times during this that I've felt very flat and difficult and it's hard to be motivated. It's hard to be an agency leader because you're the one that has to motivate yourself, right? And if you're feeling that you don't have motivation because you're feeling so flat because you're worn out from juggling all the other stuff you have to juggle that there's nobody around you to inspire you that's not a great position to be in so you know the future as I see it is having those moments when I can inspire but like Sasha the re-energizing 
point of being able to sit and focus and not be constantly interrupted by somebody coming to your desk and saying, can I just have five minutes that turns into 45 minutes and before you know it, your whole day's gone and you never got any work done. To be able to legitimately and confidently <clears throat> create that balance, whether that's because the office environment is different and we create quiet spaces where people work and collaborative spaces where people get on and you know, perhaps in those quiet spaces, it's a known and it's a given that that person's in deep work mode and you're going to leave them alone because we never really had those environments before. So, you know, to Ed's point, it's not going to be, the office isn't dead. We're also creatures of habit. We're human. We like interaction. We, we need that. It's just going to be different. It's going to look different. It's not going to be a row of desks. It's going to be a slightly different setup from what we once had. Yeah. Your point, Kate, that there's not those moments to to switch that uh, that i think that will resonate so much with everybody because much as we don't all want to be back on packed trains i mean i found you know our business model is based on events and awards right and it's there's a very i mean this is something we'd normally all be doing together as a round table sat in the same room this time of night maybe with a gin and tonic for instance i i've had so many events over the past year and i do a lot of them not just for provoke where i've left my office either on cloud nine or with just, you know, just buzzing with so much stuff in my head. And then you're right, you're out into what's for tea outside the room. There's no point of decompression. There's not that bit where everyone gets together to uh, debrief in a more social way and have a laugh about what just happens. It's literally the event ends, the Zoom is turned off and you are back out into your house again. And it's really weird. I mean, that's, that, that's something I don't, I don't think we'll ever really adjust to. I mean, find you know, everyone builds in the dog walk to Helen's point and and other things. But those points where you are, there is no transition between your different modes of being, mm. and technology has kind of made that you know worse rather than better, arguably as well, because it's intensified it. Um, yeah, I think playing with how we make sure that I think the office, I think physically being together in the office is critical to that, even if it's only a couple of days a week. Mm. The flip side to that, though, and I made a joke with one of my team the other day about this, is, you know, getting up an hour later, putting Lycra on, T-shirt if you're lucky, uh, making a cup of tea in the really boring bit of the meeting, uh, answering your door, because thank God now you never get parcels missed. Like, like there is that, right? Sliding, you think, oh, it's 8.30, I better get up, uh, because the meeting starts at nine. So, so I, I do think, yeah, um, it is hard to switch off, but I absolutely have enjoyed some of the moments where between, you know, getting breakfast and school ready, I've got 15 minutes and I can start work and it's not a train, a walk, a long prep queue and, and, and. So mm -hmm. I think that there's, there are, there's other sides to, to not having that switch mode. Yeah, true. Certainly my dog would tell you she's never been fitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's <laughs> appearing on Zoom calls all the time as well. Um, so where do we go from here then, guys? You know, we've 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 got past the moment of shock. We're all adapting. We're looking at what the 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 future of work looks like. How we look after each other. How we lead. What offices. You know, all this stuff is 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 moot. It's all up for for grabs. Do you think? Well, how do we move forward as a, a as a creative, as a PR, as a as a communications 
industry what's what's like where are we going to be this time next year in terms of uh you know our life and work do you think surely in the pub (laughs) (laughs) i'm known in that do do you know kate it's it's so funny but i remember distinctly the last presser lunch i had (laughs) it was it was with vogue business and um and I and I think it's 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 actually certainly in the PR industry, FaceTime is just proper FaceTime, like across people <laughs> in a bar is is it's it's actually key to building relationships. And I don't think in many respects my industry is different from any other industry because relationships are, are core to most businesses. And and so I certainly anticipate being in the office at least i think probably three days a week right and and getting back to spending proper face time with uh, my peers and with journalists um not least because um whilst we have all you know whilst we've all pivoted and and adapted to this environment there has been something lost a little bit along the way it's um uh Life is just a little bit more transactional. Um, the the pressure, the workload on folks is so high right now because, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our colleagues will have been furloughed. So bec- because the workload on folks is so much higher, um, we've lost a bit of the depth of relationships, I think. And so um, for that reason, amongst others, I clearly anticipate being back in the office through at least three days a week and getting out and kind of catching up on a year's worth of business lunches. I think the other thing is travel, isn't it? Because, you know, people have said, oh, well, I'm never going to need to get on a plane again, right? I can do all of this virtually. Well, yes, but actually it's going to make people weigh up. Can this one be virtual or actually what's the value out of making this one and taking the time to go and fly? Because there are so many other important business reasons why actually flying somewhere, understanding the culture, getting to know the people, properly getting to know them. It makes a massive difference to how businesses operate. So business travel sure as heck isn't dead. It's just going to be a lot more meaningful, a lot more fun versus the times where you had to fly to sit in an airport hotel to have a meeting that frankly could have been done virtually. And it's going to make people realise the difference between those two. I think it's going to take time for everyone to adjust. It's taken us, we've got pretty good at this now. You know, we've got video recordings. It's so easy to do. We're all on here together and we're all chatting away. We've got pretty good at it, but we've been practising for 12 months. And I think it's going to take a similar amount of time to readjust to how we go back into the office. Practically over the next three months, we're not going to be at 100% capacity in our offices until July, August, possibly even September. Because you know, if we follow the roadmap that the UK government has set, no one's going to be back until April. And then you've got probably 20, 40, 60, 80% capacity over a number of months. So it's going to be September, October before 
or we see really how those new hybrid models are working with people wanting to spend time in uh, a home environment or a work environment. And then we're going to have to do some reassessment of, well, how do you have a meeting if you've got a percentage of people in the office and a percentage of people at home? How does that, what's the etiquette and the behaviour around um, those meetings? And and I think that's something that, you know, I'm very cognizant of is that technology has has leapfrogged us five years, 10 years into the future of work, but the behaviors of people are still as they were in 2019 and 2020. So we, we have a catch up to do. And I don't think we should put pressure on ourselves to think we need the solutions for the future ways of work in April, May or June. This is a long process. We will work it out because we worked out how to do this overnight. And if we can do that, then the future ways of working is something we have time to do. And I have every belief we'll be very successful at it. Yeah, fantastic. I think, um, you know, where will we this time next year? Oh my goodness. I think I'm with Kate and I'm going to the pub. Um, together, we'll do that. In person, who knew? Um, I think, you know, it is about having uh, a hybrid um, home and work way of working. My horrible fear, and I really hope that no one takes for granted actually what the world has been through in the past 12 months, and that irrespective of the future of work, we know we can all work from home and we know we can still all work successfully from home. So I think... I, you know, I would hope as a, you know, as a nation, as a as a world, we remember the the things that we have learned around patience and kindness and looking after one another. And oh my God, you can now blow your birthday candles out without infecting everyone, you know. And 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 so, I think I hope where we are next year is you know a kinder, more accepting, more patient. Um, you know, human race who will just work the rest out. Um, I really hope you're right, Sasha. On that note, um, uh, let's get a date in the diary for the pub in a year's time. And we'll, <laughs> we'll see if we were right. Um, thank you all so much for your time today. It's been a really great, honest, open chat. You've all spoken from the heart and it's been, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to the next episode of uh, the series of Axicon coming soon thanks so much guys thank, thank you, you. Thank you. been listening to the provoke podcast brought to you by provoke media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers support for this podcast comes from notified the integrated intelligent and easy to use PR software Get a free demo today at notified.com.